Welcome to our second segment of this afternoon's program. It's Sunday, the 24th of October, 2021. It's now 2.01 in the studio. I'm your host, Kieran Murdoch. Uh, the aim of our second discussion this afternoon is to examine the crisis facing Social Security in terms of cash and timely payments and to discuss whether there are any solutions. Uh, the idea for this discussion has come about from the story of an elderly man caught stealing goods from a supermarket who later told a magistrate that he was cash-strapped and that his pension had been late and that... Uh, this, he claimed, was routinely the case. Uh, so on this segment, we ask what will it take to put an end to the financial distress and late payment at Social Security. Uh, and we're happy to be joined on this panel uh, by the Honorable Lennox Weston. Uh, he is Minister of State in the Ministry of Finance. Uh, he's also Minister of Public Works. Uh, in Parliament, of course, he is the member for St. Philip's South and has been since March of 2018. For many years, Mr. Weston was a permanent secretary as well and financial secretary. Uh, his professional career outside of elective politics has been focused on public administration, financial management, and economic planning, of course. And we're happy to have him with us this afternoon. Good afternoon to you, uh, Minister Weston. How are you doing this afternoon? Good afternoon. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Thank you. You're coming through quite clearly. Good uh, we're also joined on this segment. It's only a half-hour segment, so we only uh, took two guests, but we're also joined by Mr. Peter Queeley. Uh, he is a Montserrat-based economic and financial analyst and a social and political commentator. Uh, Peter Queeley worked with the Ministry of Finance and the government of Antigua and Barbuda uh, in the areas of budgeting, economic management, uh, and he has lectured in the areas of micro- and macroeconomics, Caribbean business environment, banking, and risk management for the University of the West Indies uh, through the Antigua State College and the UE Open Campus. Uh, he is a member of the Montserrat Social Security Board of Directors. Uh, his bachelor's is in economics and his master's is in financial management. Good afternoon to you, Mr. Peter Queeley. We're happy to have you with us. How are you doing? Good afternoon to Kieran. Good afternoon to Honorable Lennox Weston. And good afternoon to the listeners of Observer Radio. Uh, Minister Weston, um, firstly, of course, I, I think I have to get your reaction to that uh, that report about the elderly pensioner um, and his claims about, uh, of course, uh, being uh, pushed into a position where uh, he f he felt the need to 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 rob a supermarket to steal uh, because he was cash trapped and his pension is usually late. Uh, are you appalled by that news? Are you appalled by that report? Well, um, I don't know the facts about whether what he said is correct, that he had no savings, he had no friends, he had no church, he had no um, nobody to help him. So that is why he went to steal. Um, I doubt that is true. What I can say, though, that um, I'm appalled that our pensioners have to wait to collect their pensions. As you know, people who are due pensions are elderly. You tend to be sick. You have worked hard. And you have a contractual um, obligation, um, the social security to pay you on time. And um, once we do not pay on time, then regardless of whether the persons collecting the pension are rich or whether they have support. So um, I'm not certain that his justification for stealing um, is correct, but what I do know, um, we definitely need to get social security paying its pension on time. So all those who are obligated to pay can receive their pension on time. And even those who feel obliged to do something illegal won't have that excuse or cover. Uh, Mr. Queeley, uh, your reaction, just a uh, first question, your reaction to the story of this elderly man? Well, I, I think it's, un it's, un it's unfortunate that we are hearing um, those types of developments. I think that um, the pensioner perhaps would have had other options 
um, besides, um, you know, stealing. And, uh, and so I don't want to say that he should have explored those options first. Um, I'm certain that, you know, you have the, the, the Red Cross, the church, there's a host of um, other, um, um, you know, non, non-for-profit bodies in Antigua, you know, that can provide some assistance. And so it's, you know, we, I, I'm never, um, you know, one to encourage one to go on the illegal side. Um, but, but at the same, same time, it, um, you know, it highlights clearly the fact that there's a need for us to fix the social security scheme and to get the social security paying um, um, on time. And, you know, and that is what I think is the pressing need that needs to happen now. And so the effort should be focused towards, towards that um, and to, as opposed to focus on the various negatives, um, especially at a time when, when you know that the social security cash flows are affected very much by the whole COVID-19 crisis. Uh, Minister Weston, the Director of Social Security has explained the situation as recently as in August as being related to the fact that there's high unemployment. Um, some contributors are also in arrears, he mentioned. Uh, the central government, of course, is pledged to meet shortfalls. So my question is, does the central government make those funds to meet shortfalls available to Social Security in a timely manner so as to allow them to pay pensions on time? Well, first of all, we have to um, understand... Um what that shortfall looks like. Um, Social Security basically had an actuarial study done. And based on the normal level of employment in Antigua, before we had COVID, they judged that the rate of payment of contribution would be 25%. So that even if we return to pre-COVID employment levels of say below five percent, which is you know would be a massive um, achievement, we would still have that structural imbalance. Now um, the government, of course, has virtually doubled its payment um, in terms of what it's um, legally obliged to contribute to Social Security, but that is not sufficient. There is still Uh, Minister Weston, you have cut out $5 there. million dollar per month. In, oh, can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Just said, you know, you, you, I think the connection isn't so great. So just for a moment there, you cut out. It was, it was around the time uh, you said $5 yeah, million. Yeah, just say that um, the, um, um, Minister Weston, we are having a consistent difficulty hearing you with this so connection. Is now, um, $5 million. I think... Um, so- I think let's 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 try and give you a call on the phone. We're, give, we're going to give you a call on your cell phone. Are, okay, are you near yourself? Yeah. Okay. No problem. We're going to give you a call on your cell phone. Yeah. No problem. Mister um, Quilly, um, uh, the 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 response that has traditionally come from the government, particularly from the Prime Minister, and I think Mister Weston went into it a little bit, is that um, that their statutory obligations. Uh, to Social Security are, are, are what's being met. And in terms of the shortfall that they have to meet uh, is something they, they, they look about, I suppose, after. Um, I, I suppose my question to you really is, is you know, what obligation is there uh, for the government to make sure that pensions are paid on time? So you don't have uh, us reading stories like we read about this elderly man uh, where persons feel so, so pressured uh, in their social circumstances um, that they may resort to something they, they, they ought not to do. Um, 
so in 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 addition to paying the statutory contributions um is meeting the shortfall though it is an, a, a massive shortfall and it is a pain uh, for the government financially is that should that be a priority mr Quealy? well the social security fund is a statutory body and the government has a fiduciary responsibility to ensure that that, that its statutory bodies perform according to its contractual obligations um from what i could recall of the antigua situation um the um, perhaps maybe some debts owing by the government also to the social security fund and so whereas the government may be meeting its current contributions on time um in, at, at, at the time like this um you know when the fund is affected by the fallout in terms of employment um stemming from the whole COVID 19 crisis the government will be called upon to put in the extra the, the, the extra funds which is like paying down on its debts um to meet whatever shortfall the fund has got the funds right now in a pay as you go situation um but at the same time i think what must be said is that is that the government itself too is affected in terms of its cash flow because of the whole COVID 19 crisis and so you have a double whammy here um and I think that that is what is affecting the, the whole timely payments. Whereas the government would like, of course, to ensure that the funds are available and are put in, in time to, to ensure that, that, that the payments have been made. Um, it is affected by the whole crisis too. So that's affected its ability to, to also, you know, ensure that the fund pays its revenue, its, its benefits and so forth on a timely basis. Uh, Mr. Weston, we do have you on the phone. I'm sorry you dropped out there on Zoom because of the connection, but you were on the point of the five million shortfall. Yeah, sure. Um, so basically, let's make it clear that um, the debt between Social Security and the government is being serviced. Uh, that um, reconciliation was done in 2010, and the government continues to meet those obligations and even advance payment on the debt. Um, but even with the best efforts, even with doubling what we normally are obliged to pay, we have this $5 million gap. And so the question now is, how do we raise the additional $60 million a year support um, Social Security? Um, the easy way is to transfer it from the government's um, budget. That's the easy answer. Um, we all know that during this time when we have COVID, that we have had um, nearly an 18% decline in the economy with the concomitant um, decline in revenues. So it's tough all around. Um, what are we planning to do? We have already raised um, $11 million that we're going to transfer in by next week to Social Security, which will reduce the lateness to maybe a couple of days, maybe the first four or five days. So we believe that we'll be able to bring Social Security payments current within five days, that they can pay all their pensioners by the first five days of the month. And um, going forward, we're going to have to now continue to expand employment. I mean, if you use some stylized figure, you're talking about having another 10,000 people roughly um, on the employment um, in variety of sectors, um, construction, in tourism, um, in the offshore sector. We need to create jobs. That would be the um, sustainable way of making sure that uh, Social Security can continue to stay sustainable because to increase the rate to 32 percent um i don't think nobody who earns an income would agree to that in addition government might have to look at its contribution to social security 
and include some non-cash payments by using areas of government activity that we have economies of scale. For example, we have state economies of scale in our um, utilities so that while cash might be difficult to um, transfer, you might be able to have um, credit being transferred in terms of um, utility payments because pensioners pay utility. And so um, they could be given credit in terms of those areas. Um, government also provides a lot of health care, which elderly and pensioners would require. And so health services can also be part of the contribution that would be non-cash, but would also um, allow government to meet that shortfall. So there are a couple of um, various um, creative ways we can do it. In the short run, we got a loan from Caribbean Development Bank. We're going to transfer $11 million by next week, which will bring them within three or four days um, being able to pay their pensioners. Uh, and Mr. Queeley, uh, I'm curious as to how you think the government should address this problem, because going back, if we look at the, 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 the pandemic, pandemic is what, 2020 and 2021, uh, even going back into 2019 and going further back and across administrations, uh, whether we go back to the Bob and Spencer administration, whether we go back to the Lester Bird administration before, um, at what point do you think we need to find a permanent solution where Social Security as an entity uh, is not just healthy and on time, but has some some resilience in that in, in the midst of a crisis, it, it doesn't immediately go into uh, serious distress. Uh, do we need to have that solution? Is it possible for us to have that solution, even at this critical time of COVID-19? Let me start first by saying that the situation currently being faced by the Antigua Social Security Fund is no different to the situation being faced by other funds in the region, and in particular, the one in Montserrat. I could tell you that we also in Montserrat, we have a deficit of about $3 billion every year, and our fund is projected to go into a pay-as-you-go arrangement by 2026 if we continue on that on that, um, on that that rate which we're going. So we will probably slip into a, a similar situation like what you are faced here there in Antigua if measures are, 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 are not put in place to stem or to bridge the gap then between income and expenses. So I want to put that on the table first, that there is a similar situation here in Montreal. It's just that we have some some reserves now that we are using to you know to 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 bridge the gap. But our reserves are targeted to run out somewhere in 2026. In terms of the recommendations mentioned by Minister Weston, I think he is perfectly on, on target. We here in Montreal have some similar recommendations also. Um, we will be looking at increasing our contribution rate. Right now it's 9%. We are looking at going up to, to 15%, but um, inc incrementally. Currently, the employer the employee pays 4%, 4 the, the government pays 5%. We, 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 we are looking at going up to 6 and 7 and then 8 and 9. And so, you know, get, get it up there. Um, we're also looking at the issue of pushing back our early retirement age back from 60 to 65. You know, that would give the, the fund some, some breathing space. Um, we're also looking at um, the whole question as to short-term benefits and those benefits which are of uh, sickness and medical nature as to whether the fund should continue to, to, to sustain them. And I'm speaking here about sickness benefits, maternity benefits, maternity grant, funeral grant, employment injury or whether we should arrange those type of benefits in the form of a national insurance and reinsure the risk so as to um, safeguard the, 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 the fund reserves. We don't think that we, that we'll get much 
our savings from from that because you know those short-term funds um when benefits are not significant but whatever savings we we can get we, we will be happy for and um the other thing that we're looking at doing also is we're looking um see seriously at um and this has been some something that um some persons have showed on 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 the table is to create a residency by investment scheme which is similar to what you have in Antigua, which is a citizenship by investment scheme um the only difference being that we offer residency as opposed to citizenship and you're marking the, the the proceeds from 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 from, from that scheme towards replenishing the reserves of the social security fund um that we think we would, would go um a, a long way in terms of assisting with our problems but uh, again being a colony um being a british dependent um territory we have to get the approval of the british for us to to to, to go down that route but i would dare say um and i would agree with minister western here the long-term solution to fixing any social security fund is to get the economy working, get people working, get jobs going, and in some cases you have to encourage immigration if your contribution base is lower than your benefits base. Mm -hmm. But the economy has to be working for any long-term solution to a fund um, of, of that nature to, 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 take, to take place. Uh, Minister Weston, of course, when we speak of Social Security and the government having to meet a regular shortfall of millions of dollars on a monthly basis, um, we, we're talking about the absence of, of adequate levels of revenue that you know you can just easily find to, to throw at the problem. Um, so, I mean, I can't help but ask the question. We, we think back to the removal of personal income tax, um, and I reflect even at the start of this year when the Prime Minister discussed the, uh, the amount of waivers uh, that um, are... are are given annually in terms of duties uh, at customs. Um, Fifty percent is, is what he suggested in the budget. Um, in terms of those measures, in hindsight, uh, what would you say about the removal of PIT? Was that something you still support today? Well, first of all, as you know, the whole issue of um, income tax um, we have gone through, not only is it a philosophical view that a small country with people, three, two or three generations from slavery, with very little assets, to tax the small income we receive now directly, it would be too much. And that's a position we're going to hold until we die. Um, the money we raise from um, income tax would further depress um, individuals' take-home income. And so um, you would be really trying to fix one problem by creating another one. Um, I want to just say that the taxation system in terms of concessions um, is a more fruitful area to look at where we definitely need to reduce the amount of taxes. But I want to make it very clear that most of the taxes that are deemed as being waived are part of the investment regime, not in terms of just giving, as people were hinting in, in the prior segment, that is political favor. That's for people who are not in government. The reality is, if you want to attract investments, these investors are getting extremely hard, and all our countries, including Antigua Barbuda, we have had to give concessions which come up on our books as, as um, concessions given out. Um, but this is really part of getting the business here. Now, the question is, people keep on saying you're giving it away. If we didn't have the hotel being built, would you be giving away any taxes? 
So um, I hear people say, you know, you give these concessions to these investors and you're giving it away. The investors might not have come to Antigua without their concessions. So there's nothing to give away at all. And that's the balance that um, all governments must face. But on average, clearly in Antigua, Barbuda, we are going to have to um, tighten and shorten the period that of, of concessions we give to investors. I want to say another quick point. I think that all over the world, Social security is a formula for providing pensions. All across the world seem to be coming more and more unstable. You can't get the base to um, get the balance going. I think our trade unions and government are going to have to have to develop contributory retirement funds so individuals can put away, whether it's $100 a month, whether it's $50 a month, or if you can afford more, from the time they start to work, they need to start to put away monies for their retirement and not depend solely on Social Security. Because as you can see, unless we can create about another ten to 15,000 jobs in Antigua Barbuda, we are going to have this imbalance. And there is no way we can fix it by rate adjustment. 14 and 15 percent is already a high tax on your income. And so when people say there's no income tax, there's no direct income tax under that traditional name, but there's still significant deduction from your income in terms of Social Security, medical benefits, and education levy. And, um, of course, companies do pay tax on their income. Um, so uh, overall, yes, we need to get the jobs up. In the short run, we need to borrow and contribute. We need also to put an investment um, trust I think investment trust company. Social Security has significant assets. They have not yet been commercialized. Um, we need to put those commercial assets into high-yielding investments, whether it's in terms of CIP housing or, or condominiums. Um, but we definitely need to convert the three or $400 million Social Security has in assets into commercial-yielding investments, and they too will contribute in reducing the gap. Well, let me ask, is that part of the problem of Social Security? And you can correct me if I'm wrong. It's not to be corrected. But um, I know that at some point there was, uh, in terms of the government negotiating, and I think it was under this administration, in terms of the government negotiating down the debt that it had to Social Security, there were a number of asset swaps. Um, but, of course, those assets may not be producing uh, the level of income that um, you know cash repayment without that asset swap uh, might, have, might have benefited Social Security. Is that part of the problem yeah. that Social Security has assets that don't yield cash? It, it is clearly part of the problem, but um, it just requires imagination and, and having the right um, trained individuals commercialize them. Uh, basically, initially they got about nearly $260 million. They have gotten additional monies. I think they're up to close to $400 million in um, fixed assets, land and buildings and so forth. And uh, based on the Cabinet's view, we are going to encourage the Social Security Board to form an tr investment trust company with specialized individuals to put these large tracts of very attractive land and property into an investment mode. If they can make at least even 10, 20% return, it will go a very long way in helping to close the gap. And so it's, it's a combination of these things, jobs, getting the investment cycle going, putting in some short-term loans so we can close the gap. Thankfully, we have just $5 million a month away. And um, once we get um, the concessions tightened further, the government can do some more transfers. And if we add some non-tax transfer like utility and health care and some other areas the government can provide, 
then um, I think we can close, continue to close the gap over the next 5, 10, 20 years. Um, Mr. Queeley, uh, there was, of course, a report, and I'm just checking the date here on the story. It's uh, the 16th of October. Uh, it, it, it spoke about um, a social security staff here in Antigua and Barbuda being, uh, quote, stressed and demotivated. Uh, and I think that's coming from the director of the Social Security Board, of course, speaking about the conditions under which uh, many people are working under COVID-19 and, of course, dealing with the uh, issues at Social Security, trying to meet on-time payments, trying to work through all that amidst COVID-19 is, I'm sure, taking its toll on the staff who work there. I'm just curious as to whether or not that's a similar experience that you may be observing in Montserrat and um, to what extent uh, some of the issues that we face uh, at our different um, social security organizations are administrative issues, issues to do with um, personnel and uh, whether they're performing in the way that they ought to, whether they're overburdened uh, in different situations. Uh, what's, what's, what are your thoughts? Um, our situation here, in Montserrat, as I said before, is not one where we are not um, meeting payments on on time. We have some reserves, which, as I explained before, is running down. Is we are using them to meet our our um our monthly um cash flow, um, and so we are in fact meeting the payments on time. So our, our staff members are not um, really um, you know under stress by that. I think most of the stress now is focused towards looking at the future. And recognizing that by 2026 we may have to go into a pay-as-you-go arrangement, and trying to come up with a with a with a solution um, as to avoid going down that route, and that is where the efforts are focused on at the level of the board, at the level of the management, and at the level of the staff, and also at the level of the political di directorate. And so we are trying to see how best we can come up with with you know with um, workable solutions and solutions that does not burden the in the um the public in a, in a, in a negative way um and, and and that has been the focus um you would always have the administrative issues brought on by the whole covid 19 crisis and that uh, you know has affected everyone um across across the, the, the board in an equal way and, and and so i mean those i mean it is it, it is um you know and folks have to cope with, with that um i would just want to piggyback on something which um you raised with, with with mr western and that's the whole issue of the income tax um one one of the things that um would suit us is here in Montreal is if we had a situation like antigua where we had no income tax because right now we have income tax um at a very high rate and we also have social security as an additional tax on person's income and so it is not joyful for us to be looking at increasing the socials um because the contribution rate now because it is going to be seen as a further tax if we had no income tax like antigua um you know it would have been a, a more palatable thing for us to 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 look at and so um from that from that perspective, I think um, you folks there in Antigua may be in a slightly better position than us um, as it relates to looking at, um, you know, contribution rates and and so forth. Um, but of course, as Mr. Weston said, you still have the medical benefits and you still have the education levy and those things also are, are taxed, um, even if they're termed a different way.
Well, I, I would ask you, though, um, in response to that, if the, the removal of your income tax would not um, cause other problems, that you wouldn't have uh, less revenue for other things that your income tax pays for now? Um, yes and no. Um, there's a school of thought which believes that if you remove the income tax and you put the and you and the, the money is goes in, in the hands of, of the persons, they're going to spend it and you make it back in an indirect way. Um, and, and right now, if you if you look at our tax system, I think we have the probably highest tax system in the in the region in terms of both income, corporate tax, and also um, indirect taxes at the port. And and so there is a lot of pressure here for us to look at reducing the income tax and even expanding the threshold. I'll just give you a, a, a good example. Our minimum tax threshold is $1,250 per month. That's where we start to tax people, people persons from. And we wow. don't have a minimum wage in effect either. So you understand the, 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 the problems that we are faced with. Yeah, that is quite and, low. And then our wage levels are um, slightly less than Antigua and, and St. Kitts. So um, our disposable income for, for persons who are who are working are far less. And our prices are slightly higher because shipping two, two months worth has to be either trans shipping St. Martin, St. Kitts, or Antigua. So it's slightly more expensive. Yeah. Um, and so um, if for us, um, and the focus has to be looking at reducing inc inc income tax and putting the effort someplace else in terms of tax collection. And so that is the focus that we're pushing now. Uh, Minister Wesson, final question, and we are pretty much out of time, so I would ask you to be brief if you could, but I get the sense from what you're saying that um, the government's, central government's engagement with Social Security is going to continue to be a, 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 a monthly solution, that there is no... Um, well, that the permanent solution is not going to be quick on the horizon. Am I correct in that assumption? Totally correct. Um, what, we're, what we're doing is that we're fully obligated to meeting our responsibilities on time. We are fully committed to having a solution. The solution now is that we're going to continue paying twice what we have paid. We're going to put in a lump sum of about 11 to $12 million to get us current while we're current. And we are continuing to look for investments. We're going to look for hotel expansion. You'll hear about three or four concrete hotel projects, which will generate additional jobs in the, in the offshore sector. And we'll have to tighten our um, concessions so we have more money to transfer. But the long-term benefit is to create those jobs. And um, secondly, to encourage individuals to start to save for retirement from day one. So Social Security is not the only source. Uh, with that, we can end this segment here. I want to say thank you to both our guests. We were joined by the Honorable Lennox Weston. He's Minister of State in the Ministry of Finance, also the Minister of Public Works. Uh, we were joined as well by Mr. Peter Queeley, who joined us from Montserrat. He is an economic and financial analyst and a social and political commentator. He, of course, is a member of Montserrat Social Security Board. Thanks to both of you for joining us this afternoon. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. If you'd like to make a call... 